Awesome. Thank you. It's great um, to be continuing in our series in Jeremiah, finishing, finishing it off actually tonight. And um, I actually got the option whether, whether we were going to continue Jeremiah, if we were going to finish it last week in the evening. And uh, I thought, you know what, yeah, it's probably, it's probably easier to do something that you know rather than trying to find uh, or come up with something uh, that you don't know. So I said, okay, yep, I'll finish, I'll finish off Jeremiah. Uh, and the best way to do that is to go to the last chapter and I'll just do the last chapter. And then I went to the last chapter and uh, it, was, it was pretty disheartening actually. Uh, it's, a, it's a full on, if, if you know Jeremiah, I mean, we've been tracking through it over the last few weeks and uh, really it's, it's documenting the fall um, of, of Judah, of Israel. And um, this, there's an incredible history of what God has done for this people. Uh, he's constituted them, he's, he's saved them out of uh, slavery in Egypt uh, through mir- miraculous signs and wonders uh, he's, he's given them a law. He's, he's brought about his presence with them. He's, he's um, traveled with them. And then once they reach the place that he had for them, uh, which ends up being uh, Canaan at the time and, and what we would know as Israel now, uh, they, they actually build, end up building a temple. Solomon builds a temple and God comes to reside with his people. And that would be considered the, the golden age of Israel. It's an incredible time, an incredible, um, incredible prosperity that's happening. Uh, you've got the wisest man to ever have lived on the throne. Uh, it's, what, it's what every um, Jew would look to and go, that is what life should be. Um, and so they, they've come through this golden age and then what's happened in the abundance of that age, the people have started to turn away and to, and to follow their own thoughts, their own desires and they've begun to worship other gods and God has continually come to them through the prophets and said to them, turn back, turn back. And they haven't, they've continued to disobey. You know, there've been um, periods where, where uh, they have sort of, but, but not fully, and it's continued this downward spiral. And Jeremiah is almost a, a, large, a last ditch effort um, to call the people back um, to God. And, and through all of this, there's, there's this promise in the background that, that God has always had for his people. Uh, but the promise is in Jeremiah 29, 11, uh, that where God says, I, I have plans for you, uh, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And when you, when you hold that um, um, in contrast with what happens in, ver, in, in chapter 52, uh, th- there's a bit of a, um, a weight or, or, or heaviness I'm, I'm not actually gonna read what happens in, in chapter 52. If you, if you get the chance, do that. Uh, but it is full on. Uh, and what it does do is, is document um, some pretty horrific things that happened to the king of Israel and his, and his children. Um, it, it documents how the Babylonians come in and completely just level the temple to the ground, the symbol of God's presence with, with his people. Um, and, and they document in detail uh, the way that they just dismantle the things that Solomon had built uh, for them in the glory days. 
and it's and it's quite heavy. It's 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 hard. It's um, it's depressing, or the, the, there just seems to be this cry, this cry, this mourning um, that is happening as as the fall is documented. And at the end, there, there's a bit of a a bit of a turn at the end. Uh, commentators will say that there's this glimmer of hope, and and what that glimmer of hope is is that a new king of Babylon um, comes in after a time. And the king of, of, of Judah, Jehoiakim, who, who was in prison, this king of Babylon decides, okay, we're, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna bring him out of prison and I, he's gonna eat at my table and I'm gonna give him an allowance. And so the king uh, lives the rest of his life eating at the king's table and, um, and, and that's, that's pretty much it. It ends uh, like that. Uh, but really, the, the, the way that the king of Babylon um, functioned at the time is, is they were really the biggest empire um, in the world at that moment. And in fact, to be the king of Babylon, your title, your self-given title was king of the universe, uh, king of kings. And so when you have, you have um, kings under you eating at your table, you're, it's really just a flex. And so while it might seem like a bit of hope, it's actually humiliation. Um, and it's great that that Jehoiakim can eat at the table and he's, and he's probably very grateful for that, that he's able to. Uh, but it's a very humbling experience. It's a far cry from the glory days of Israel to eating as a, effectively a pet to the king uh, of Babylon. And in the midst of all of that, there's still the plan that God has for his people. And and so I guess the, the question would be for us is that what is God's plan? What, what exactly is God's desire? And what we see continually through the history of Israel, what we see um, culminating in Jesus is that God has one plan and that is to, to, to bring his people into oneness with him, to bring them um, to him for his presence, not only to be with them, but, but for somehow them to become one with him. And, and so as I, was, as I was thinking about this, the plan and, and the result, you know, as in where Israel are at at this time, uh, the, the, the word came to me um, from Hebrews, uh, which says that, that um, God disciplines those he loves which is in Hebrews 12. So I thought that would be where we, um, we actually ground ourselves um, in, in God's word this evening. So we're gonna read from Hebrews 12, verses four to 14, which says this. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement? that addresses you as a father addresses his son. It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. 
Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees, make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy without holiness no one will see the Lord. And so this is the picture. Uh, it, it's actually a beautiful picture of, of God as a father disciplining uh, his children because he has good plans and good purposes. As I said there, plans to, to bring about a oneness. As it says here, the way it talks about it is that, that we would be um, disciplined and so that we may um, be holy, share in his holiness. He disciplines us for our good. And so as we, as we look at the, the humbling of Israel, as, as we look at, at the, the perhaps the hard hand, uh, what, what we might from the outside call a callous um, discipline, a severity uh, let's seek to understand what it is that God's plan is. What, is it, what does it mean to be one with him? His desire for us to be one with him, what, what does that mean? And the way that we see consistently through the Bible explaining that, uh, the, the best way to, to I guess, explain, explain what God's desire is, is through identifying um, things that, that we, we experience that are good, uh, you know, love or, or joy uh, or peace or rest or, or freedom, uh, uh, things that you, that you enjoy doing perhaps or things that you um, have enjoyed attaining to or relationships that you've enjoyed or um, social interactions that you just love being a part of, things that bring joy to your heart, <clears throat> Not this. <laughs> mm -hmm. <clears throat> so as so as we turn to think on, on different things. <clears throat> The way that we can start to grab, uh, get a grasp of <clears throat> what it is that God is, is wanting to reveal to us is by thinking on the things that we do enjoy, that we do um, find fulfillment in, and, and to see those things as just a, um, a scent, a smell perhaps, 
Think of this. When you, when you, when you come home <clears throat> and you're, you're hungry and you walk through the door and you smell um, an incredible meal cooking, your, your response is actually um, joy in your heart. Uh, there's, a, there's a sense that yes, something good is coming. And imagine if the actual eating of the meal never came, how long would you be enjoying that smell for? I mean, the goodness of it would last up to a certain point. At some point you're gonna go, man, where's the food? I, I need to eat, I wanna eat this, I, want, I wanna be a part of it. And the way we can understand what God wants and what God, desire, <coughs> what God desires for us is if we think of all the good that we've ever experienced in this world, all the joy that we've ever got out of things or relationships in this world as just the smell, um, just the scent prompting us to partake of something bigger, something better, something more um, incredible, a, a feast, something that will actually satisfy us. The way that the Bible talks about being one with God is like this. Jesus actually talks this way. Um, um, when he's walking around um, on earth, there are a whole, people, a whole heap of people who start following him because his, his, um, his teaching is just sublime. Uh, the miracles he's doing are incredible. And so people, people start flocking to him. They start following him, a whole heap of people. And, and this is what Jesus says to him. It's an incredible thing. Um, he says, if you, want, if you want to part with me, if, if, you, want, if you want to um, uh, be a part of who I am, you must eat my body and drink my blood. And a lot of people are, are offended by that and, and they stop following him. But, but what Jesus is getting at is that it is not enough to just have something that, that just, just gives you a hit or a, a feel-good moment if it's not gonna give you the trueness of what, what that joy actually is. Joy that doesn't last is not joy. Love that doesn't last is not love. The source of love, the source of all joy has these things in abundance. It's eternally him and what he longs for is the fullness of who he is to be a part of us. Not just something that we, that we take deeper sniffs of, do you know what I mean? That, that can be what we do in, um, in our sort of consumer mentality culture. It's, it's, if, if we find something that gives us joy, uh, we just try and fill our lives with it as much as we can and we always need more to be able to, to, to take a deeper whiff, but it never seems to satisfy us. It never seems to give us that in perpetuity. We need to keep coming back to it. Jesus says to the woman at the well, I can give you water that will, will be like springs of living water that flow out from, 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 um, from within you, not water that you need to keep coming back to to, to satisfy this, this thirst. And so if, if this is God's intention for his people, if this is, is, is God's intention for us, then if, if he finds us going down paths where all we're ever doing 
is, is taking deeper breaths of, of things that we're finding um, good smelling, but we're starving. We're, we're heading down a road where we're gonna die of starvation. If he is loving, he is gonna do everything to turn us from the way we are living towards finding true satisfaction in him. If, if you think of rest, think of rest. What, what happens with rest? You know, you, you work, you work, you work, you get tired, you take a holiday, you get a bit of rest, you come back a week later, you're tired again. That is not rest. That is just the smell of it. And yet what he is wanting is something completely different. And so discipline would make sense in that framework. God, God, is, God is desiring to turn his people to the source, not to these, these quick hits that don't actually satisfy. But it still leaves, a, 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 I guess, a sense in our hearts. But, but what about the severity, the severity of that discipline? If we, when we look at Israel being brought so low, what, what is going on there? What is God's plan to discipline in that regard? And the, the incredible thing about who Jesus is, God becoming man, is that he wants to reveal his plans and purposes. Not for the sake of revealing them, but so that we can enter into them. He wants to reveal and make the way for us to enter into that. And so Jesus is the one we need to look to as the revealer of things that perhaps before were hidden. And the beautiful thing about Jesus is, is there's, a, there's a problem because effectively if God's saying all the things that you're, you're going after are just, are just smells then, or aren't the real thing, aren't partaking in the feast of life, if that's the case, <clears throat> then we're not one with him. <coughs> I should say I did get a COVID test. <laughs> it's not COVID. Um, and if we're not one, we want, <coughs> we want to know exactly uh, what is going on, uh, why we're not one. Think of a relationship. If a relationship has, has, has a rift in it, is broken up, it's no use going to one, um, one party and hearing what their side of the story is and thinking, oh, I, I know everything um, that's happened and, and, and I, know what <coughs> I know what the issue is. You, you've got to go to both parties. The incredible thing about Jesus is that he's got both parties in one. Do you know what I mean? He's God and man. He has both sides. He knows exactly where the issue is, where that, that thing that is preventing the oneness resides. And so as we, as we look to him, what we end up seeing is, is God reaching down to humanity. That's, that's Jesus, right? It's God reaching down into humanity, but it's also humanity in Jesus reaching up to God. And, and how is it that God reaches down? What, what is it, 
What is it that he's doing in the midst of all, all the turmoil, in the midst of, of these harsh places that we see in life? And we see that it is always, as the foundation, it is always God giving himself to humanity. This is what we see in Jesus. <coughs> and the harshness comes from humanity rejecting God. We see this on the cross. Jesus comes, gives himself, God gives himself to humanity and, and humanity reject him. We see the grossest injustice on the cross that this world has ever seen. This is the reality of our world. The, the, the harshness, the severity um, comes from a rejection of who God is. But that's, 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 the, that's the one side. What, what's the other side? What's the, what's the human, the human issue? Because as a human, Jesus actually chooses to undergo that suffering. He chooses to put himself in place of that suffering. Why? What, why, would, why would someone who, who, who um, uh, has no uh, reason, has no guilt, has no, um, no um, culpability in, in the state of the world, why would he put himself in the place of that, of that severity? thing is, Jesus, Jesus understands that yes, the, the, the world is wicked, that there is, there is severity um, because, because of, of, a, of a multitude of different um, reasons why people have gone astray and done what is wrong. There's a whole heap of issues there. But Jesus, Jesus as a human knows and as God knows that saving himself isn't why he came. He, he came to solve what the problem is. He came to solve whatever that rift is between human, humanity and God. And so what we, what we see is that the, the severity of God towards man is actually the severity the same severity of Jesus that Jesus actually experiences. You, you see, because Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus, in his, in his choice to go to the cross, is dealing with something in humanity, internally. He's dealing with something in humanity that needs to be done away with. In, in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before Jesus goes to the cross, uh, there's a moment there where he says, Father, if it is possible, all things are possible with you, he actually says, um, if it is possible, take this cup from me so that I don't have to go to the cross. But not my will, your will be done. This is an incredible thing that's, that's going on here, that, that Jesus, as a human, is saying, I do not want to do this. I do not want to die. I do not want to subject myself to, um, to death. 
But what Jesus recognises is that, that that very thing that, that is coming up in him is, a, is actually a desire that is setting itself up against the will of God. And what is the will of God? Perfect oneness. For Jesus not to go to the cross is, is to separate himself from being one with the Father, to separate himself from the very mission he came to bring about, to make us one with him as he is one with his Father, to draw us into this. And so Jesus, what he does in this moment is he receives the lesson. He learns obedience against the flesh. He moves against whatever that is in him that is setting itself up against the, the, the plans and purposes of God. And in doing that, he confirms his oneness with God. Jesus will not allow anything to separate him from his Father and the will of his Father. To do, to do something to the contrary would be to separate himself from the source of his life. So the severity of that moment, the weight of that moment is actually humility, is him humbling himself, bringing himself low to receive life, to be one with the source. What we see in Jesus is that God is not against us when he humbles us. The Father is not against Jesus when Jesus humbles himself. What God is against is everything in us that is not life. Anything in us that is not in the image of his Son. Anything in us that is not Christ. The reality actually of, of our makeup, of our creation, of who we are as humans, is that God has created us in the image of his son. He has created us to be like him, in his likeness. And what we have done is we have killed the very image of who he is in us. Every single person has done this. Every single person in, in a moment of, of prioritizing the self over doing what is right has killed, put to death the image of God, has destroyed that oneness. We are no longer like him. We cannot partake of his divine nature. We, we're not one with him. We have killed the image of God. The incredible thing that, that, that Jesus in that moment where he puts to death the self, he can do that. He can do that. He has never sinned. He has never put to death who God is. He has never gone against who God is. And, and so, so in a way we could go, yeah, well, it, Jesus can do that. Jesus can put the self to death. Jesus can make sure that he maintains oneness with the Father. But, but he's different. He's different. We can't do that.
If God wants oneness, and if He is going to discipline His children until there is oneness, He is going to get rid of everything that is not like His Son from us. And in in a sense, that's bad news, because if we have put to death the very Son of God in us, then there is nothing in us that can be saved. He's gotta get rid of everything. He's gotta turn everything out. And there'll be nothing, nothing of us left. But this is the good news. Jesus dies to self. He puts in, in his flesh, he puts to death sin. He puts to death death itself. He puts it away from himself. He chooses oneness with the Father over anything else. And what does that oneness mean? It means resurrection. It means life. He cannot stay dead. Jesus resurrects. He defeats the self. Do you know what the incredible thing is? That if Jesus is resurrected and his very purpose is to bring about a oneness in us, if he was dead and he was raised again by the Spirit of God, then if he sends his spirit into our lives, he can bring to life the very Christ that you put to death in your own heart. The very, the very thing that we have gone against, the very self that we have prioritised at the expense of Jesus' own life, at the expense of the life of God in us, the separation that we have caused, Jesus can be resurrected in you. He has done it. And this is the very reality he's wanting to bring about in our lives. This is how, um, how Peter in Acts actually, having experienced the, the Spirit of God coming in and making, um, bringing alive what is dead. Not just, not just um, um, getting, a, getting a quick hit, not just being around Jesus, not just having him outside of him, but what, what Peter experiences is the very life of God born again in him. And having experienced that, this is what he preaches actually to uh, the people around him, calling them to the very same oneness. This is what he says in Acts 3. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. And we see actually the right response in the chapter before in Acts 2, Peter's speaking there. He says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this, Think of, think of the, low, the low place that Israel has been brought to. Let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptised, 
every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Peter again, in in his letter, he says this. In 1 Peter 5, 5 to 6, in the same way you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. There's a radical humility. Everything that they're talking about is a humility here. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. God opposes the proud. But the incredible thing is why does he oppose the proud? To bring them low. Because it is, he is with the very lowly. He gives grace to the humble. And so this is the call that Jesus says to follow him. There's only one thing that God desires, it's oneness, it's for you to partake of the divine nature. And Jesus says, follow me, follow me, come into this. I've done everything that was required. I'm sending my very spirit to bring to life the very, my very self in you. And this is how, follow me. If you would follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross. That's what he says. Deny yourself. Anything that sets itself up against who God is, anything that sets itself up against the humility of Christ, anything that sets itself up against um, um, who Jesus is, humble yourself. Come to recognize that, that everything that is contrary in you to who Jesus is has put him to death in you and yet he has not abandoned you. He has not abandoned you. He will bring to life his very self in you. And when he is alive in you, you can continue to follow him in this very thing and he will make you a partaker of the divine nature. It's his very self in you that has the power to conquer sin, that has the power to conquer the self that continues to want to prioritize ourselves. Only he can do it. We cannot do it. But we need to humble ourselves before him and allow his life to take priority. Reject any thought that sets itself up, reject any action that sets itself up against who he is and you will find that he is an ever-present help in you. His very spirit giving you everything that you need to defeat the self. And as you follow him, as you follow him into into the, 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 um, the denial of self, the the weight of that, the discipline of that, as you partake of his sufferings, you will partake of his resurrection as well. And what, is it, what does it look like to continue to follow him, to have faith in him that he will do this, that, 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 
that he will come and, and bring about what he has promised. Jesus actually encourages his disciples in this. Uh, they, they come to him in Luke 17 and they say, increase our faith. When they see his life, when they see his humility, when they see um, his, his ability to just forgive, it's actually the forgiveness that they just can't wrap their heads around. When they see him, they say, increase our faith, help us, give us what we need to live as you live. And Jesus says this, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. Incredible, incredible words. But, but before, we, before we allow this, this self to well up and go, yes, I can, I can do this. Look, look what he says straight away. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now, sit down to eat. Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink. After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what, was he, what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. There's a, there's, a, there's a harshness in this, I know it, and I feel this, but it's not a harshness from God. It is not a harshness from God. Anything that takes, takes the very desire of God to give life to us, to bring oneness to us, and takes that as harshness is the self, and it needs to be brought low. It needs to be humbled. Only humility will open the door for him to give us his very nature. And so we have to reject the self. He will help us and he will do it because he has done it. It is his power, our reliance on him. Peter and Paul actually know this very well. They've experienced that. They've experienced the bravado. They've experienced um, the best that they can do in their own strength and it ends up being terrible. It ends up being denial of Christ for Peter and it ends up being persecution of Christ, putting, putting Christ to death in reality for, for Paul. They know what it means to have their best efforts and for it to be just crucifying the Saviour. They need something new. They need Christ alive in them. They need the very Spirit of God to bring back to life what they have put to death. And we need the very same. We need the very same daily for Him to be our life. When He comes to life in us, when He comes to life in us, we live daily by Him. He is our daily bread. He is what we take in, what we eat, our very provision. And what is his plan? Complete oneness. There are no words to explain the oneness that he wants to bring about. Everything, everything that this world has to offer, everything that, that, that any relationship can give you is only, only a smell of the real feast that he has for your life. 
And so this is the encouragement. If we go full circle back to Hebrews 12, before the passage that we started with, this is the encouragement that we're given. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith for the joy set before him, for perfect unity, for perfect oneness with the Father. Not only that, but for us to have perfect unity with him as well, to draw us into this. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's pray. Father, it is with, with, we can only come to you in humility. The, the, these things are almost too, too, too high for us to grab a hold of. Um, we, 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 want to, we want to know you. We want to enter into all that you have for us. We've tried many different things. We've gone our own way. We have, we have put you to death in us. The very author of life the very one who all, all your heart was, was to give us everything, to give us your very self. And yet we put that to death in us. And you have not cast us away. Instead, you have made a way for us to enter in still. And that way, our salvation is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ in us. He is the hope of glory. And so we seek to submit ourselves to you. Only you can give us life. You are the only source of life. We cast off everything that we have thought and tried to find life in. We cast it off. We bring ourselves to you. We seek you. We seek to put to death by your spirit in us everything that wants to set itself up contrary to who you are. We fix our eyes on you, Jesus. We look to you. And as we see your holiness, as we see your perfection, may we be encouraged that this is the very thing that you have for us. May we take it as discipline, not condemnation. May we take it as confirmation that we are your children, that you will not suffer us to starve, you will not suffer us to see death, you will bring about your salvation in us. And so we put our trust in you and we cast off ourselves. So come now, by your Holy Spirit, fill us. We need you, we cry out to you. Fill us afresh, fill us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing now. And it, 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 I feel the weight of this. It, it is a, it, it's, a, it's a somber moment in, in a way, but, but it shouldn't be. The writer of Hebrews is, is saying this is an encouragement. His discipline is an encouragement.
but it's not a false bravado. It's, 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 not a, it's not a claiming to have attained something in our own strength, claiming to attain what we have not. It is a, is a submission to Him and waiting on Him for our salvation. And so rejoice in Him, rejoice in who He is, rejoice that He has not cast us off, rejoice that He will do and has done everything and will continue to do everything to draw us to Himself, continue to do everything that we would be made holy, one with Him. And so let's, let's align ourselves with Him. So as we worship, call out to Him. Call out to Him. Let's humble ourselves and rejoice in His salvation. Let's do that. Let's stand together. This heart that is now yours 
Those words are sometimes a bit harder to sing than what to apply to your life. You can have it all, Lord, it's tough. There's some really tough words because I don't know, if you're like me, there's aspects of my life, I know that He doesn't have it all. I know there's elements of my life that I wanna hold back and I wanna be in control of. Uh, but fullness of life is found when you are fully surrendered to Him. I'm convinced He's not a liar when He says, the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I've come that they may have life and life to the full. I'm convinced Jesus wasn't lying when He said that statement. And so maybe tonight as you're here, there's just something in you that says, I, yeah, there's, I, I, He is Lord of my life, but there's, there's just this one element or there's these, these elements that I need to surrender over to Him. And I just wanna take the opportunity to pray for you tonight. And maybe for you, it's just this moment where you go, actually, I've never surrendered my life to Christ and I need to do that tonight. I wanna experience fullness of life. Not, I want to know what that's like. Well, it's an opportunity for you to respond to Him tonight as well. And so I wanna pray for you too. But if there's something in your heart tonight that you just go, yeah, there's just that element I just, I just need to let go of. Uh, let's, let's pray, let's hand it over. Feel free to surrender to Him now. But I wanna just take this opportunity to pray for you. So Lord, thank You for the way that You speak to our hearts and You know what that is that You're prompting us in and You're, you're laying on our hearts. Some here tonight, they just know, oh, there's that one area. And I just pray that You give strength, encouragement, uh, strength, great God, to just surrender that and let go of that tonight. Uh, that You'd empower us, great God, for that thing. Uh, there's some here maybe, or maybe even just one, that tonight they know, they, they know deep within their heart, they're not experiencing fullness of life. They've never surrendered to You. They don't know what it looks like exactly to have a relationship with You, but there's something in them that says, I, I wanna give this a shot. I wanna give this a try. If that's You tonight, whether it's online, here in the room, I just wanna lead you in a simple prayer. You can just pray it in your head and in your heart, but it's a simple prayer. You can pray this, dear God, I wanna surrender to You. Try living my life my own way and I wanna give You a go. I want You to be Lord and Saviour. Thank You for dying for my sins. Thank You for rising again, overcoming death. Thank You for showing me what life can truly be like, fullness of life in You. So take my life right now, take control and lead me and guide me. I surrender to You. Great God, thank You for those that maybe prayed that prayer, that responded to You. Thank You that You're a God that never leaves us nor forsakes us, that You're with us in all circumstances. Thank You that You love us so much, that You want us to have life and life to the full, that You, you discipline us, that You guide us and You lead us and You show us what that looks like, great God. That's what we desire not chasing after the things of this world that are satisfied momentarily and then hungering for more and thirsting for more. No, you bring a, uh, you bring a, uh, you satisfy the deepest parts of our soul. That's what we desire. That's what we long for. We long for the deep satisfaction of our soul and only You, only You can bring that great God. And we thank You. We thank You that all, not just some, not for the elite, but all can come to You for the deep satisfaction that our soul so desperately desires. 
It's, not, it's of nothing else in this world, only in you. That's why we surrender. And that's why we praise you and we thank you. So God, we worship you tonight. God, we thank you. We love you heaps and we pray these things in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. It's been so good to have you here tonight, but I said uh, in announcements that we wanted to pray for our Red Frog workers as they head off uh, Thursday or Friday, depending on which situation you're in there. But uh, I'm gonna get Nath, if he's around, um, just to pray for our Red Frog for, uh, workers. That'd be amazing. So I'm not sure how he's gonna do that, but he's coming now. That'd be awesome. Thanks, mate. Thanks, David. Um, Red Froggers, come on down the front here so we can lay hands on you. Come on down. Everyone can see who you are as well. We wanna pray for you. This is one of our biggest groups we've actually sent. Yeah, give them a hand. This is one of our biggest groups we've sent down, the Red Frogs. Come down the front here. Come on down, come on down. These guys are gonna be doing some late nights, um, reaching out, being Jesus' hands and feet. And once they've all come down, maybe some of you just wanna come down and lay hands on them um, and just ask a special blessing over. So some others wanna come and just gather around them and lay hands and you can do a reach out of your hand as well, virtually from where you are at the same time. If you're online, you can be praying for them. But we just wanna um, pray for you guys. The Scripture that I wanna give you tonight is from 2 Corinthians 5 verse 6. And in the chapter before, Paul's talking about the fact that we are Christ's ambassadors as though God is making His appeal through us, which is incredible. But then in 2 Corinthians 5, 6, it says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favour. Now is the day of salvation. I want you to be full of faith as you go down. Now is the time of God's favour. Now He has come to bring life to people. So we want to pray, church, ask God's blessing over them. Let's join our hearts together. Reach out a hand if you're sitting back there. Lord, we just pray your blessing over this team. Thank you for their willingness, their heart, just to make themselves available, Lord, to be used by you. Thank you for this incredible truth, Lord, that we are your ambassadors. This is your plan. This is how you've chosen, Lord. You dwelling within us. And as these, this team heads down there, Lord, wherever you're leading them, different places all around, I know, but they're literally gonna be your very presence going in to these locations, your light shining into these locations. So Lord, I pray for your covering over them, Lord. I pray you'll give them some incredible opportunities to be able to share of you, Lord Jesus, the hope that is found in you alone. And we are praying that through this Schoolies Week, the Red Frogs teams, Lord, that we're gonna see many, many lives transform, people's coming to faith in you. Bless um, Pastor David and Matt and some of the teams will be leading, Lord. We just pray you'll be with them and give them wisdom and insight. They're gonna make decisions on the spot, Lord. They'll know, Lord, not just their own wisdom or knowledge, but from you, great God, you'll lead them, you'll guide them, take them to the places you want them to go, led by your Holy Spirit, Lord. There'll be so many God-ordained moments, keeping these young people safe that are gonna be down there, Lord. And these ones that are going down there thinking this is gonna be the time of their life, Lord. We know it's it's not gonna measure up, but Lord, we pray that instead they would encounter you and it truly would be the time of their life, Lord, finding hope and life eternal in you, Lord Jesus. So we thank you pray your blessing over this team now and we ask this in Jesus' Name. Everyone said? Can we put our hands together and encourage this team? Thanks so much for sharing with us tonight. Do stay afterwards. Meatball sub and a drink for $5. How good is that? Stay for that. Connections Lounge up the back of your new. Hang around the Connections Lounge. And if you'd like prayer tonight, we'd love to pray for you. Come down the front. God bless you. Grab a seat. Look forward to catching up again soon.